Hello, Horror Fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast. Oh, oh the horror. The horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at O-T-H at SeriouslyDecent.com. And you can check our website out, OhTheHorrorPodcast.com, and get our back catalog, connect to our social media. Yes. All you that, can do that. All that good stuff. If you're so inclined. Yeah. And Mer- if you're not, NBD, no Mer- big deal. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. We hope you had a wonderful yep. uh, weekend. And leading into Happy New Year. Merry New Year. Oh, we're going to go with Merry New Year. Is, well, is that, that was, what uh, we're doing now? You remember that movie, um, Coming to America, with Arsenio Hall? Well, and- yeah, like a million years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you remember, like, he came over to America, and he was all, like, it was the odd culture change and all that. And he walked into everybody's, Merry New Year! Yeah! So since then, I've been saying Merry New Year. Like, okay. I what mean. What was that, 89? Uh, it, wild. Yeah, so, yeah. Wild. Hot minute, Frank. Past vintage. Hot, yeah. Past vintage. Slightly stale. Yeah. <laughs> Circus Freaks, Freak Shows, and Sideshows today. Your boner episode number two. It's the boner episode, basically. Don't say we never gave you anything. Yeah, yeah. We gave you two boners. Two, two. <laughs> Krampus, if you missed it. And, uh, freak yeah. Freak Shows. Freak Shows, Sideshows, side Circus Freaks. All I can think of the whole time is Sideshow Bob. Yeah. Just going to talk about Sideshow Bob. <laughs> what if we just did that? What a letdown, right? People be like, bah, oh bah, 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 bah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we're going to get right into it. Let's dive deep. This was always a uh, a big uh, topic for me. Like, I just always loved it. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I was a little kid, I went to the circus. Did you? And it wasn't like the, uh, it was Barnum and Bailey mm-hmm. going through, and they mm-hmm. go to our, our civic center. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have, like, the sideshow stuff, but no. I just... Like the marvel of it all. Like Gunther Gable was the uh Dude, do you remember that shit? Yeah, the lion tamer <laughs> and all that stuff. And like I remember there was a ringmaster, a lion tamer, that kind of oh, stuff. But like names? No. No, sir. It gets better. It gets better. So this this story, I gotta preface this before we get into it. Okay. So big into the circus, just loved loved all of it as a kid. You know, the, the elephants, lions. Did you want to run away and join the circus? Well, that's what I'm getting to. Oh. I wanted to. Okay. And this is where, I mean, talk about dating like a different de- generation entirely. Uh-huh. At high school, the circus, Barnum and Bailey Circus, would have uh, a couple people at a desk at the end of the Shut year. Shut up. And you could enroll in clown college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, like, I really live my life with very few to zero regrets. But, honestly, that was one thing. Like, if I were to do it all over again, I would have walked right over that table. Sequoia alumni, I know you're listening. (laughs) We did not have any opportunity to sign up for clown college 
at our school, yeah, correct? They probably just thought you were all farmhands busy. <laughs> I mean, we were. Yeah. yeah. We were. All the more reason they should have picked them because, I mean, certainly they'd be able to, like, set but, up yeah. the tents, no, they break had, things down. They were there every year. And like I said, if I were to go back in time and do it all over again. You'd go to clown college? Oh, I would have gave it a spin. I mean, you Let are a clown. <laughs> I'm very qualified. <laughs> So I, some might say overqualified. So the best part was, is there was like a lull because this is when the circuses were getting phased out. Yeah. And Barnum and Bailey did uh, like a one last like tour around mm -hmm. and it was uh, for Gunther Gable. It mm -hmm. was like Gunther Gable was going to be there. So my buddy Topher is like, dude, we're going to the circus. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, it's pretty bled out. He's like, no, it's, it's for Gunther Gable. And I'm like, okay, when are we going? So, so we go and we bring uh, dates with us, mm -hmm. and I feel so bad for them. I was gonna like, say, I noticed you know, that neither of hey, you, you want to go are somewhere with your dates. Want to go somewhere <laughs> on a double date, you know? And they were probably like, "Yeah," and they're like, "Well, we got tickets to the circus, you know." And and of course, so oh. so the best part is <laughs> is it's the entrance. So like, if you've never been to a circus like that before, in the beginning, the announcer comes out with just like the whole pitter patter, the whole deal. And then what they do is kind of a march around mm -hmm. and it's all the animals, yeah. it's all the people. It's and everybody. then and then after that, they do the individual shows and stuff yes. like that. So Gunther's standing on an elephant and he's going around and he's waving to everybody. Mm -hmm. And he gets past Are you us. Fanboying going, Gunther! Oh no, this Gunther! This is the best. And you can ask him and he'll verify it. I hope he's listening because this is like memory lane like gold here and uh we go around he comes around the corner he's looking at us, so we're like mid up in in the civic center in yeah. the seating so we're eye level with gunther on this standing on this uh elephant elephant larger than life yeah. a childhood hero yeah and he's walking by and topher and i are waving and then he like goes to turn around and topher goes gunther and gunther waves looks right at him points and just like yeah. You know, waves and looks right at him. And Topher's like, ah! <laughs> just goes total teenage girl. Oh my God. It was absolutely phenomenal. It was. Oh, the joys of the circus. Oh, it was the best. And then we never, that was the last circus we saw. Mm -hmm. That was the last type of anything like that. Right. And it's weird because there's, especially as I'm older now, at age 46, I'll say it. You feel like what the world is missing is a circus? Because well, I kind of agree. Yeah, but the thing is, is like I get why people were against the circus because like the treatment of the animals yeah. was tough and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I think some of it, you know, people also got to look to. It's like, yeah, these animals were shuttled here and there and all that, but they also weren't surviving out in the middle of like. Oh yeah, they didn't have nature to deal with have poachers all these, and yeah, they didn't have to deal with yeah. poachers or predators or mm -hmm. anything like that. You know. Just had to put on a shtick. Right. You know, and and so I can understand why it's gone, but it's unfortunate because it's like this whole thing. That, the whole generation of people that'll never know, never oh, experience Oh, now it's multiple that. generations. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. You know, it's multiple generations. So, again, I thought I'd pay this whole kind of thing respect with mm -hmm. doing an episode today on yes. it. Yes. And, and basically get to where all this kind of stuff started. So we can wax poetic about our yeah. childhoods? Because, I yeah. mean, 
Well, and th- yeah, like I said, this was like, like a we cool grew up in the thing best of, time. I, I'm going to say it. We really did. We did. Uh, so, like, the carnival had, like, this, in, in, like, essential component to its existence known as the sideshow. You had the carnival, mm-hmm. and then you had the sideshow. Mm-hmm. And these shows were different. Yes. It wasn't just, like, the lion and the elephant and the juggler and the trapeze. Like, that was the main deal. Right. And then you had this sideshow, which contained freaks. They were also known as geeks. And they gained this immense interest to a wide variety of audiences. And they'd showcase deformities, unique human talents. But also, too, at the time, they were giving these people who would have been considered less than or ostracized from their uh, communities a platform. Well, yeah. And that that was like the beauty of yeah. this whole thing. And Gave them a home. And we'll elaborate yeah. on that All right. uh, Let's uh, get much into later. It. But the audiences would literally just try to beg a glimpse of these performers. Mm-hmm. And they would consist from the highest royalty right down to the very lowest of class of people. Right. It really was kind of this unifying interest mm-hmm. that people had in something. Right. You know, like you have a musical artist today and there's a peep piece that get into that or it's a class of people that get into it mm-hmm. but it's not as broad spectrum right. i think you don't have all the sideshow just got this natural curiosity of human beings well it is we and are naturally curious by nature definitely. so anything that's different outside of the ordinary the extraordinary if you will they were extraordinary they yep. are oh, extraordinary yeah. oh yeah so i had to do a paper Back in in school. Back in the day. Yeah. When I was going, doing all my technical education for my career in IT. And as part of the like English mandatory New York state class we had to do in our technical school, Mm -hmm. they had a, you you could do a paper on anything. That was the whole deal. Right. You just do a paper on anything. And I like instantly knew right away. I'm like, I'm doing the history of circus freaks and sideshows. Right. So I, do- I dove deep into it, and basically uh, this popular appeal of the sideshow was in the early 1800s, but little little do people know that basically like these unique human talent traits and stuff like that and performers actually trace back to 2000 BC, that far ago. And right. basically India, a large listener base of ours, Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks India. We love you. But I thought also we'd do this episode as well to give your country props. Right. Because around 2000 BC, there were the shaman priests and everyone therein that would perform these really like severe religious practices. Right. And these proved as a demonstration of their invulnerability, power, connection with their gods. And the practices consisted of the following rituals, sword swallowing, human uh, pincushion, human blockhead, contortion, and various other acts. All things that they... Now, apparently, you can still attend a sideshow. Like, Mm -hmm. they do have sideshows still. Yeah. I would love to find them. Coney Island is still kind of doing some... It's still like the Mecca? Well, not the Mecca. Like, still doing some of it. Okay. I would give anything to find, like, just a traveling one. I'm sure Vegas has. Eh, maybe, but like contortion, just as it sounds, is a person straining a body beyond means unimaginable. Bendy, twisty pencil. And for example, just to kind of get this in perspective with you yogis, um, a novice move for a contortionist would be to stand up 
and have one leg behind his or her head and jump up and down on another. So like yeah. that's the floor. Yeah. That's your that's your uh Like if you can't baseline. do that, they're not interested. You're not a contortionist. They're not in yeah. Okay, bye. The human blockhead consisted of hammering a nail and sometimes other objects um into their nose, yep. which is something you see to this you know, this is a, a yeah. more it's common thing. Fairly common. But they were doing this 2000 years ago. A human pin pin cushion would put uh, sharp objects such as large needles or nails through limbs. And sword swallowing is the act of placing a sword in one's mouth down to its stomach and taking it back out. And they actually say that there's a tribe of uh, sword swallowers, and I hope I don't uh, abuse this name too much, but uh, it's the state of Andhra Pradesh. And they actually practice, uh, they pass down the sword, uh, art of sword swallowing from father to son. And they've so done from it generation for to generation. Generation to generation. And basically, if you follow sword uh, swallowing, uh, it matches the very rest actually kind of closely. And from beginnings in India, this talent spread to China, Greece, Rome, Europe, and the rest of the world. The historical beginning of festival life for these talents truly begins in the first centuries A.D. in Greece, Italy, and was often seen at festivals throughout the ancient Roman Empire. And wow. that and that shows that like the empire, right. they had the jesters and stuff yeah. like that. Yep, yep, That's yep. where it started going around. China and Japan met the sword in 750 A.D., which was weird because how prominent the sword was in Japan but it never took like this turn. Yeah. Like India was doing all this different stuff and it was based on a religious context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but the fact is, is it, it's just weird how some countries do things. They have all the same tools. Right. But they and just do just things differently. They, uh, you know. apply them. And uh, the Middle East got its taste of the sword in 1182 AD and Europe met with uh, the swallowers in 1200 AD. And America finally got to see what all the fuss was about at around 1817. Basically, they would charge adults like a buck mm -hmm. to see the act. These talents did originate in festivals during the first centuries, but there were many falling out periods. Pick up, go down, yeah. pick up, go down. And many were street shows and performers who were out on their own or even competing against each other. There was a lot of competition between this. And then basically that all changed during the Victoria era, which began uh, in 1837. Right. The flower basically buds in England when festivals became a traveling show from town to town. Yes. And this is when the sideshow became the pivotal point in a festival. So you had the festival and then you had the sideshow. Right. And it had the structure. And everybody had their own kind of festival. They had their own kind yeah. of sideshow. The sideshow even made an appearance in an episode of Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, yeah. It's the, it was that prominent. And uh, there was a main section where one would find animals, jugglers, as we said before, and these standard festival acts. And then right next to the standard festival was the sideshow. And this is where you would venture into unknown and see the things that are unimaginable. Right. And here is where you found the talents, you know, previously mentioned along with dwarfs, midgets, anatomical wonders, and people with various oddities. Right. And how the showman brought the spectator in was the secret and to this day is truly remarkable. Because if you think about it, just going back in time, and we talk about this a lot on the podcast mm -hmm. with different type of episodes, these were people that were normally shut in. 
Right. And they were outcasts. They would have been in the disappointments room. In the room. disappointments room, <laughs> you know, which is a real thing. We should do an episode on that. I was just thinking that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and basically what happened was this shift where a showman would just bring them in and, you know, because, I mean, you're having a nice sunny day and who wanted to see these crude things, quote unquote. And I they would were gather everyone. And they were the masters of the sale right. at the end of the day. Yeah. And and basically uh Tom Norman, who was called the Silver King, was like he, he was, was he like was a carnival barker yeah. extraordinary. Oh yeah. And he stated in a, an autobiography, which is an inter- interesting read, that you could indeed exhibit anything in those days. Mm-hmm. Which I just find awesome. Like yeah. there was no rules. Yeah. And I think like Today, with everybody talking about how they can do whatever they want, or some say, oh, you can't, but that's the thing, is like, they could do this, and there was no right? group no. that was sitting there saying, oh, you're abusing this. There, and- there was no one to tell them they couldn't, yeah. that they shouldn't be uh, out there, that who do they think they are displaying themselves for the public. Well, and furthermore- No one was doing that. Furthermore, not only was not, you know, people weren't yeah. doing this, people were encouraging it, and yeah. saying, I want to see more. Yeah. I want to see this. And, uh, you know, he could, he said in his autobiography, uh, yes, uh, anything from a needle to an anchor, a flea to an elephant, a bloater, you could exhibit as a whale. It was not the show. It was the tale that you told. Right. And it was uh, a problem often during those times and even holds true now that many showmen would show false exhibits. Yes. And that was a big issue there, yeah. you know, where you'd have like the three-legged guy and it was just like this pants full of you know like something or whatever and uh but the quote wings rings true for the real acts these people were massive salesmen yes massive salesmen they had i have um i have uh tom norman where he was uh barking for marianne bevan the ugliest woman in the world uh she was a star for many years at picard's grand panopticon in glasgow she appeared with Tom Norman, and then she finally got her own traveling fair and show. Mm-hmm. But according to him, he would, as he would um, introduce her, he said, Marianne's features became so deformed after the shock of seeing her husband drop dead at her feet yes. just as he was entering the front door of their cottage. And then she continued to appear on fair, fairgrounds until the 1930s. Yeah. And she threatened legal action against any act daring to say that they were uglier than she was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So So everybody had kind of like. Good honor. Yeah. Everybody had their corner of the market. You know, like there couldn't be another bearded lady. Right. There had to be the The bearded bearded lady. lady. The Uh, ugliest woman in the world. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. These really took shape into these. Like natural. They had to be unique. They had to be perceived as unique. Uh, the Marianne Bevan story is pretty pretty nuts, and that was in the like up to 1930s. Yeah, was ultimately how far it got. But uh, the show with her, I mean, her career as a sideshow was massively profitable. She brought in a ton of money, and it would be in basically like the the amount that was brought in the door, and then they'd sell uh, like postcards and books. And yeah. It yeah. was this whole, like so, everybody thinks George Lucas invented all this type of stuff of like marketing different things. But this was like the big. Uh, so they actually have a breakdown during a four week stay in Glasgow in 1920. Marianne Bevan brought in 
looks like 662 pounds. Then it says 3S. Oh, is that in Glasgow? Yeah. Yeah. So three shillings. Um, yeah, probably shillings. 60. I don't know what that means on the door. So that's just to get in the door and mm-hmm. a and thir- a further 48 pounds from the selling of 5,000 postcards and 6,333 books. And like back then, that was a lot was of a, money. That was a four week stay. Yeah. That's a month. Yeah. She made that in a month. And back then, that's a lot that of money. That is a lot of money. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so basically this gets up to like the 1800s and and it's a sideshow. You have all these traveling sideshows and you had a a lot of popular type of acts. And so now we'll kind of bring in the popular acts. Chang and Aang, the original Siamese twins born in 1811 and brought to America in 1829. Yeah, and they were the original, original ones uh, that were, that basically started that. There was the... Colorado brothers who were parasitic twins. Oh, nice. And there's so actually... One was, so one was feasting on the other? Well, actually, uh, they have pictures of this on Google where you can look it up and we'll oh, show... Oh, do tell me he had like one face? No, it was out of his stomach. Stomach? Like half the body. <laughs> so like there was just this body like pouring out of the front <laughs> of him. I think Google has pictures of it with the clothes. We'll, we'll post them on our Facebook group. Martin Joe Lorello, he would actually turn his head 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. And there's video of that on, on YouTube where they, they show that. Because that was the interesting part of this is like the 1800s, they would do like the photos and stuff right, like that. Yeah. But, but towards the early 1900s, they were actually catching some of the stuff on video huh. and some of the stuff in people. Uh, Millie and Christine McCoy, they were conjoined twins and they were... I don't know if they were African or African-American, but basically the Sideshow Act was their way out of slavery. Okay. And they toured the whole entire world. Right. As these conjoined twins. And they actually retired in the States and uh, lived a pretty, you know, for the most part, like decent life. Decent life. There was Edward, uh, I think it's Bupri or Beropri. Uh, he was at eight foot three inches tall. So not only was he considered like the tallest person, but also he had these feats of strength where they claimed he he was lifting a 600-pound horse onto his shoulders. Nice. Yeah. So I have the top 10 most disturbing, scary, and bizarre sideshow freak shows from the past. Go for it. So I've got number one was Daisy and Violet Hilton, a pair of British Siamese twins who toured the U.S. sideshow in the 1930s. There, there was actually a photo of them, and it was on their 17th birthday. Uh, number two was George Sherwood Stratton, better known as General Tom Thumb. Yeah. Then there was the tattooed lady, Betty Broadbent. They had a picture of her from Flushing, Queens in uh, New York in 1939. Then there was a Canadian circus performer, Anna Haining, Swan Bates. She was with her father. They were, like her parents were average height and she was not i can't remember whether she was i believe she was taller and then there was a well-known circus sideshow performer josephine joseph half male half female body and she toured with the freaks the freak show in 1932 and then there was the bearded woman annie jones and she toured with pt barnum becoming the country's top bearded lady 
And she acted for a time as a spokesperson for Barnum's Congress of Freaks. Mm-hmm. And then there was uh, Chang and Ang, as, and I guess Bunker is their last name. And then there was an English sideshow performer, Horace Riddler. He's extensively tattooed, and he exhibited himself as the great Omi or the Zebra Man. Mm. And then a, there was a sideshow performer... Essentially, it was just someone barking to bring everyone to Coney Island's Dreamland Trained Wild Animal Arena in New York, New York, early 1900s. And then Jojo the Lion Man. And he was a popular sideshow attraction circa 1910. Oh. So, I mean, I had heard of... And then there's... They also have a reference to Jojo the Dogface Boy. Yeah. But they didn't really give much details, but they did give details for Harry Mary from Borneo. It was really just a monkey that they put like a wig on. That was, uh, that's an example of a great example of the faults and fake fake acts that they would do. But apparently for a time, uh, Joseph Merrick, the elephant man, he, he was, aside from Tom Thumb, one of... He was the pretty much one of the like the premier of draws the of, yeah. of the time when they go through those. So to kind of roll tape back when we were going through the timeline mm-hmm. and how things were going through basically the Victorian era and and as I said earlier, like eighteen ninety three the variety shows were they were formally out- outlawed in Europe and sideshow talents began to die out. So mm-hmm. like this phase that we're in now, it's not uncommon. It's right. happened before. Yeah. Again, everything blossomed. I mean, P.T. Barnum changed everything after that. Yeah. And he made a starts in the state stateside here uh, in America during the Victorian era and also uh, in 1841. And he became, uh, he became the uh, proprietor of the American Museum in New York City, an entertainment enterprise that had featured contortionist banjos, banjoists, uh, Lady, uh, lady magician, lecturer on animal magnetism, tattooed man, and similar acts, and basically had this home base there. Mm-hmm. And then his greatest attraction, which you brought up earlier, Charles Stratton, also known as Tom Thumb. Right. And Barnum went overseas to England at that point in 1843, and he changed Tom's nationality from American to English. Okay. And he also changed his age from four to 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And he became just this instant attraction known as General Tom Thumb. Right. And it was presented to uh, Queen Victoria on a few occasions. Okay. Barnum educated the child first in reading, writing, and arithmetic, then showed showmanship, dancing, and acting. Tom Thumb married uh, a fellow midget or dwarf. Little however person. We call it, little person. I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> named uh, Lavina Warren, and they retired wealthy, well-to-do. Yeah. And Barnum shocked everyone in the business by this instant success because now everybody's seeing that this is a possibility. It also legitimizes and, it. And it's spread, yeah. So Barnum returns to America, and he changes the whole style of festivals into what is known as our circuses that we were used to in Big Top Tents. Right. And the reason for this is the geographical layout of America. The towns in England are tighter together, 
So small shows could be possible traveling by carriage. Right. So this is why you didn't have a lot of small shows because it just takes a while to get to places here in the state. Yeah. Towns and cities were vastly spread out in America, so travel by train was necessary, and spectators would come from a great distance to see the show. Yes. This would draw, by nature, a bigger crowd. Yes. Hence the style that developed with the big top tents, three rings, and sideshows. Mm-hmm. So people don't get, there was a reason for all of this. Like right, this, yeah. This wasn't just something that was cooked out of thin air. Not just happenstance. Yeah, no, there was a legitimate reason for big top tents. Yeah. And the whole three ring bit, because yeah. now you have, they're not as frequent a show because they're not just going from this little town to this little town. Right. They were hitting cities. Yes. And then people are going from these small towns into, into the, the cities, cities. To watch the show. And you have more people. The sideshow was, in most cases, the biggest cash earner for the entire event. Oh, I believe so it. So you had the main show, which yeah. people would buy their admission for, but there was a sideshow where you would pay per person, mm-hmm. you know, per event, like per tent, per right. exhibit. Yep. Um, also, the like we mentioned earlier, the postcards, yep. books, mm-hmm. all that stuff. It all brought in the money. This uh, The admission into the sideshow is an additional admission for each of these acts. So while Barnum blew up the scene of sideshow uh, freaks, Samuel w, uh, w. Gumpertz brought Coney Island. And Gumpertz was a successful Missouri showman. Okay. And this gets into the big three. You've got Gumpertz, you've got Norman, and you got Barnum. Okay. And these are basically the three that just rule. It's funny, because of those three, I only know Barnum. Barnum. Yeah. Like, I know there's Coney Island, but I couldn't have told you the name of the guy responsible for it. Yeah, yeah. So Samuel W. And I never even heard of the Norman dude. (laughs) What's that about? Well, and he was the announcer that just had that. Oh, okay. Yeah, we talked about him earlier. So they were like the three just big names of this right. whole thing. Okay. So so Gumpert's brought Coney Island, and he was a successful, again, Missouri showman. At the time, ex-Senator Reynolds was building a park called Dreamland. And Gumpert's role in the Dreamland project was to build a midget city called Lily... Uh, Lily Lilliput? Yeah, Lilliputia, or Putia. And for the 19... 19- uh, uh, for the 1904 opening season, it housed 300 midgets or little people, little people. Yeah. from all uh, over the nation as permanent residents. They stayed there. They lived there. Yeah. And it was built to half scale to resemble 15th century Nuremberg, Germany. The, okay. I mean, that's oddly specific. They had their so own. So are they saying all little people came from Nuremberg, Germany? <laughs> no, they just built oh, it to scale okay. to that. All um right. The um, It had its own parliament, its own fire department that responded hourly to false alarms, <laughs> and their own because beach. Yeah, their okay. own beach complete with lifeguards, and it was all little people. Uh, while they entertained patrons during the day, they had their own lives and community when the park was closed. And Gumpert's uh, success with the village not only convinced him to stay at Coney Island, but travel the world and look for the most amazing freaks he could find. Right. Because now there's this home base, and this is where right. Coney Island became Coney Island. Right. You know? and, and money was no object for Gumpert's while on the hunt for, like, an act on a show. Like, if he saw something, 
Oh, yeah, money just, was no option. Oh, it was like a recruiter for a basketball team. You yeah. know, just like, what, 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 what do you need, a car? What do you need, you know, like any <laughs> of that stuff. In 1911, uh, which basically, on Memorial Day weekend, Dreamland burned down. And that actually freed up Gumpert's. He completely devoted all of his resources by putting together Dreamland Circus Sideshow. And finding, uh, again, finding the acts was not a problem either. Most of them would rather take a medial wage. This is what people have to understand with sideshows. Right. This gets back to what we were talking about where it was a home forum. Right. Most of the acts would rather take a medial wage and consistent work than trying to find the big break. Yeah. Because as a sideshow act, and this was whether you were a little person, a bearded woman, right. whatever, you... You know, this is kind of real life things that people can attach to. Right, yeah. Instead of going for that big win that'll set you, you know, for the rest of your life, they were fine making a living by doing it. Yeah. Just a living every week or whatever. And... Well, it's security. Yeah. And it just keeps it coming. So, plus, Gumpert's had a big community. It was a place they could all hang out amongst their peers. He had a lot to offer. Yeah. You know, really had a lot to offer. And it was a sanctuary in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a way of making them all feel special and unique. Gumperts and Barnum would both share special acts they had working together instead of against each other. Right. That was another thing that helped. So they cooperated with each yeah, other. It's yeah. It's kind of like a museum, sharing well, exhibits. And and I'm not going to say they treated the acts well well or whatever, yeah. That's but, but they did realize that the acts were the show and not right. them. Right, yes. You know, and, and they were able to put themselves aside in, in certain regards, like working together and things like that. Sideshows financially carried festivals and circuses. And ultimately, that's why I think the circuses died. Yeah, because once you get because, rid of your main money draw. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so when, for example, the the circus going into, you know, a town mm-hmm. and it's just that main act. Yeah, what people can understand now from a historical perspective is it was stripped from its main money maker. Yeah. That was gone. Yeah. And you know, the money earned was incredible because an onlooker would pay admission to get in and then would be charged extra again for each exhibit. Each exhibit. Yeah. And, uh, Barnum and Gumpert's are known for the longest time owned the sideshow. Right. I mean, yes. like it's just, it's the Barnum and Gumpert's era mm-hmm. that most people look at. Right. And these unique uh, talents and abnormalities have been around for thousands of years. And it took some evolving and showmanship to get them into the world scale as we see today or as we've seen today. The money earned off of sideshows was phenomenal. And for a festival to survive, it was essential to having one. Yeah. And it's evolved now from the circus type setting to the magician setting. In 1929, Melvin Burkhart took the human blockhead stunt and made it into a standalone act. Mm-hmm. And the sideshow, you know, uh, at the time when I wrote this paper, it was still in festivals at that time, and it was kind of at a point of full circle. Uh, it's eroded since then, unfortunately. And this was, what, well, was before I met you, 20, 15, year, 15, 20 years ago yeah. when I wrote this. The acts may be unbearable to view, but just as onlookers 4,000 years ago, we examine their talents with the same shock and wonder. And that's the thing it all has in common. So, like, what was the show we were watching with um, Bert? 
uh, Burt Kreischer, Go Big Show? The Go Big Show. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, that sword swallower in that show was incredible. Well, he had and he, he had, had a multitude two of or acts. three um, sideshow performers that were vying to get into the finale, and the one guy who was not only the sword swallower, but I mean, he did things where he had it was like uh, rubber ended hooks, yeah, that went under his eyes, eye sockets, yeah, and he pulled the hosts in a car, yeah. And he set like a world record just like using his face. There was this other woman who was also part of the sideshow where she did things like she was she Russian or something like no, that. No, or no, that I was don't different. believe so. That was a different the person. the Russian one was um she was a contortionist. Mm-hmm. Still, yeah, same she's thing. still part of the sideshow. But, but this, this one, she like she did the the pin cushion, but. Like the opposite of it. Like she laid on the bed of nails. She pressed her face onto broken shards of glass. And there was no, like there was no mark on her. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing. Yeah. And then like the contortionist who had like, she set her legs on fire, but she could shoot a bow and arrow with her feet. Yeah. So she would stand on her hands and shoot the bow and arrow with her feet. And I'm like, okay, guys, you say you're sideshow performers, but you didn't tell me where you're performing because I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and you can look it up online. Uh, but but it just shows that to this day, it's still like people just, you can't pull away from that kind of stuff. It was I mean, there's other people that don't want to see it, and that's, okay, you know, that's the way fine. it is. But the fact is, is I what I'm getting at is, and this is a big reason why I wanted to do this episode, I think we're due for a resurgence of this. And it happens. Yeah. I just like, I again, this is why I wanted to do the show and read the whole history of it. It's a series of in and outs. Yeah. Like, you know, the people were into it, then they weren't into it. Well, people were into it, then they weren't into it. Even um, But ultimately what people have to understand, and this is what Barnum, like, because Barnum gets to shit in a lot of ways where he was cruel, he yeah. was this and that. And, and Barnum definitely was different from Gumpert's in that regard. Mm-hmm. Like Gumpert's created this whole community right? Yeah, for it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's where I wanted to hope that this episode would inform people that, you know, Samuel Gumpert's was actually a great person for this whole he movement. Was, he was good for the movement. You know, or, good the for... movement in the, in the community. I mean, he, right. like I said, he literally built a whole entire town Mm-hmm. And just a whole entire community, mm-hmm. and and they were able to exist, and and exist amongst each other, and exist right. and and again, I think people are a little more, you know, like take somebody who's just covered in tattoos. Yeah, people will just walk by and be like, "Oh, that guy's tatted up." Yeah, where a long time ago that would have been extraordinary, been extraordinary or weird or bizarre, or strange, right. you know, and and it would be treated as such, and that's. Right. Like I said, I think the Sideshow Act has, it it was just way more impressive back in the 1800s because back then those were literally disappointments. Those were literally. They were were the people that would have been ostracized and kicked out of their communities and or homes. And we talk about that with like Changelings, our episode. You know, they would have, let's be honest, 
these people would have been changelings. Yeah. They would have been left out in the woods. And that's what I'm die. saying. Like, if, if you want to get a deeper glimpse of that type of side of the discussion. Right. Exactly. Changelings is a good episode to have. I yes. mean, I'll, I'll cross promote episodes all, all day. <laughs> but but I thought the partner, the partnering episode with this one was Changelings. Yes. You know, we well, covered that other side where even um, American Horror Story, when they had Freak Show. Yeah. That season, they actually did use like the the little person. Like, I believe she was or is yeah. a sideshow act. No, she is. Yeah. yeah. So, so I have a question. When mm-hmm. you were doing your research, mm-hmm. now I know they had the sideshows and then they had their exhibits and then they would have like those fake things within their exhibits, yeah, you know, yeah. like the skeleton of a mermaid and yeah, it was really yeah. just like the tail of a fish and Modified part of a person. Up to a, yeah, like a, yeah. So isn't there like an oddities and curiosities museum that does have things like, you know, like. Well, again, this is where the taboo of the topic gets a little crazy because this uh, the Smithsonian actually had a lot of uh, exhibits at one point in time with oddities. And it was weird. So have they just like whitewashed this whole thing? I think that's what they might be. Don't I'm not an authority of it on a huge level. Okay. But what I've noticed is, is that there is a whitewashing of everything of this to a certain degree. Right. Now, what makes me just laugh in hysterics about that attempt to do that Mm -hmm. is the fact that this shit always existed and it's always going to exist. Right. So you can't whitewash this. And no. this is a whitewashing 101 statement okay. here. You can whitewash whatever you want, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist anymore. Correct. You know, and, and I further I think I, it's against the best interests of I the think oddities. So too. I was going yeah. to say if if they're going to do this and they're making the choice that this is what they're going to do. And for a lot of people, this is the only thing they can do. Exactly. So why wouldn't you support that? Why wouldn't you give them their platform? Let them have their moment. What does it, what does it hurt you? If you don't like it, don't go. Yeah. And, and like I said, we're, it's funny how, and I don't want to make this very political or, or anything like that, but no, cause this is the, this is the, this the is the escape, <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. but some episodes bring it, we have to bring it up mildly. Okay. I just, I find it interesting that we're in this time now that tolerance is supposed to be the highest and they're the, and least it literally tolerant. is yeah. the least tolerant time. Yeah. You know, of of many options in people's lives. Yeah. And this is really an example of that. But here's where I think it'll create a necessity of reinvention. Mm -hmm. I think what will happen is, you know, like the Smithsonian ditch and all that stuff. I guarantee you they still have all the stuff. They just vaulted it. Bet your ass they still have it. Because you know why? There's going to be some independent person that'll come out and they're going to have this oddities museum, which... I honestly, I know I, if, if you were to do like top 12 uh, oddity um, museums or something like that, mm-hmm. they'll have the list of it because the Internet is full of a top 10, top 12, top 15. I mean, if you're everything. not if you're not on a list, yeah. are you even relevant? No, like, but do I mean, you even exist. No, just the 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 desperate attempts attempts of bloggers to be successful. Yes, they've done a yes. top top 10. <laughs> Top 15, must-sees. top 20, must-sees, must, you know, 
best of everything. That's that's the internet in a nutshell. However, I think what's going to happen at some point, like like history, it just keeps going around in a circle. Mm-hmm. At some point, it's going to come back. It will. Yes. Um. It's it's just it's history. Bring it back. Well, bring it back. <laughs> but what'll end up happening is, is it'll be some mom and pop joint or a husband and wife that, yeah. you know, are very enthusiastic with the subject. They'll have love and care into it. Right. And they will create, and it's probably already existing. Mm-hmm. I think what helps is just platforms like this talking about right. it and letting someone know, maybe I'd like to check that out. Cause that's how it started with me. It was pictures. It was some things on TV. Right. And then like, it's like anything else that you get a thirst of knowledge for. That's all you need is a little drop. Yes. And then you're searching for a glass. And once you get a glass, you're like, how can I get a picture? Yeah. You know, and, and you just. Give me more. Yeah. Give me more. Yeah. And this has always been my whole life just trying to read. You know, I'm still reading about sideshow acts that I've never even heard of. And it was just like, wow, that's incredible. You know? Yeah. And, and I think this is something that will come back because there's nothing more boring than normal. And, also true. And normal is like the thing that everybody's after right now. And it's the most boring thing in the world. Yeah. And and I think, again, that's where the whole Coney Island thing worked out perfect. Because you had the 50s, like post-World War II. It was that normal. You had the Brady Bunch in the 60s. Mm-hmm. You had everything was just happy, normal. Mm-hmm. It was just typical life. And then... There was this option of the sideshow right, yeah. that went completely against the grain yes. of all of that. Yeah. Every single inch of it. There was nothing normal about any of that stuff. And no. people are just drawn to outside of normal. Yes. You know, or or current or relevant. The extraordinary. Exactly. And let's be honest, and I think, it is extraordinary. And I think that's making a turn because one thing I will say is TV today and everything is more forced into this norm, what is perceived normal. Right. Yeah. Not real normal, yeah. but what is perceived normal. And I think we're back at that point. Again, people say, oh, history repeats itself. It is. Yeah. The televisions are this forced normal. Mm-hmm. And what you're going to do is have a generation that's raised on that. They're going to grow up. Mm-hmm. And that's the generation now and for probably the next 10 to 15 years, those generations of people that, Kind mm-hmm. of because you have three generations that kind of overlap in one generation. You've got the kind of older part, the middle part, and the younger part. And the I'm maiden, saying the maiden mother and crone. Well, and I'm just <laughs> saying like like late teens, twenties, yep. and like thirties. That's three generations that you have in a single kind of reality generation. Mm-hmm. So in in about ten years, this is my prediction. I think ten years it's gonna ten to fifteen years it's gonna come back. I really do, because mm-hmm. I think this perceived normal, you're going to have uh, like kids that are in their- like That are going to rebel against it. Early teens now, they're going to be in their 20s mm-hmm. soon, and you're going to have basically the the, the youngest switch. group you know, will be the younger, and, and basically you're going to have this switch where people are just going to be repulsed by this perceived normal. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. just, oh, so that's they're going to the, rebel against they're, you're it. You're going to realize yeah. all the stuff they watched on TV wasn't real. It didn't really work out that way. The world doesn't work that way. No. None of it. No. And they're going to seek this reality 
somewhere else. And I think this will be discovered again, as it always is, interesting. Right. It's just it is interesting. interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. Like, and, to and, see what these these people do. Mm-hmm. Especially if you've got, like, some sort of deformity or, or whatever. And instead of rebelling against it, embrace it. Yeah. And show that you can you can be quote unquote normal. Yeah, but again, I get where it gets tough because you know if you're an act and you're just standing up there because you got a lot of hair on your body, let's say. Yeah. And then you get those three drunk dudes that come in and just you know, yeah. or the three drunk people, period, and just like are insulting right in front of their face. Yeah. It's like it's just tough. It's a rough deal, you know. Um, I think if there's a way where they can. And that's when I would turn to them and be like, dude, you paid to be here. So who's the fool? Well, yeah, <laughs> no. And honestly, I think at yeah. the end of the day, that's how it was looked at. A lot of these stories of, of the acts, a lot of them went off to like retire mm-hmm. and have a comfortable life. Yeah. Not all of them. Right. But it's like anything else well, in life. Well, there's exceptions to any Well, rule, yeah. I mean, it, it's like actors and actresses yeah. or sport some are athletes. Some successful than others. Sport athletes. You know, some of them were smart with their money and, and used their money right. Uh, there's others that just got drunk and fucked up and screwed up everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it came back because it's done it over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not... It's not like it's been one continuous upside. Well, I remember especially watching Go Big Show. That guy yeah. was like, you know, I I just want to bring attention and bring the light on the sideshow. Yeah. And that's what every one of those sideshow acts, that was their that was their their big deal. It was to bring an awareness to it that it is you know, it does still exist and mm-hmm. hey, give them a shot because these people are literally risking life and limb to to entertain. Yeah, I mean they're the way I look at it is this is like this is a whole different like stunt person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Yeah, like, I mean seriously. But that's again where I look like growing up was the best because like my heroes were these kind of circus sideshow acts. Mm-hmm. Evil Knievel. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no Evil Knievel anymore. No. I mean, granted, people are doing crazy stuff with motorcycles and bikes oh, yeah, and skateboards yeah, yeah. and all that type of stuff. But but the whole, like, and this goes back to the showman. Yes. Because the showman had the ability of it. And what people don't understand about Evil Knievel in this current age is that the hype yes. of one of Evil Knievel's stunts would be talked about for months. Yes. It would start out Even in the news. Even if it failed. No, but it would just yeah. start out in a newspaper article. Yep. Evil Knievel's going to do this. Yep. And then the TV run would start. Yep. And it'd be the commercials. Do you want to watch Evil Knievel? Can he jump 50 buses? And Sometimes then, he can. And, Sometimes he can. And granted, I think this is where no internet was great because it just forced... Oh, it was the anticipation. No, it forced spoken word. It forced mm-hmm. you to talk to people. Like it where did. the internet doesn't do that. No. You know, it's because very, like um, the internet, the internet is the spoken word, so to speak. Yeah. That's the community. And then like everyone else in physical realities in the way. Yeah. And I think that's destroying humanity. 
it's not you know, helping. No, I think it's destroying humanity. I think the beautiful thing of it was, is, and I give the evil Knievel example, where you just sit there and you're like, you know, oh, evil Knievel's going to jump 50 cars. So then you're hanging out with your friends. You're like, dude, did you hear evil Knievel's going to jump 50 cars? Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, where'd you see that at? I'm like, no, dude, it's an ad. He's going to try to do... He's yeah. going to try to jump 50 buses. When's he going to do that? And then everybody just like talk to people about yep. it. And then it's just this whisper campaign, so to speak. Yeah. It was a whole nother form of media or advertising. Yep. And, and then there'd be the day where he'd do it, you know? Yeah. And, and again, it was the whole drama of it. You'd see him like drive up, wave yep. to everybody. And then he'd check, he'd walk, you know, he'd check and make sure everything's, you know, all set. And then he'd drive back. And then he'd do that run, that one run. He was a genius at it. Yep. He'd do that one run, and you're like, this is it. And then he'd slow down and go around, and you're like, oh, <laughs> oh come no. on. And then he would turn around, and then, you know, he would he might do that two, three times oh, or whatever. Yeah. And then finally, yeah, and then he'd, he would jump, and you really, you know, like I look back at it, it's like he would jump that was on live television. And at that point, there were millions of people holding their breath in silence. Yeah. Like, I think you could have farted in one county and heard it in the other. You yeah. Know? Just, <laughs> but, Good times, man. Yeah. Good times. But I'm glad we did this. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely, we're going to post more stuff on the Facebook group of the people, the acts that we talked about. Yes. And also, um, I'm going to look into it and see what current acts are going. Awesome. And we'll we'll put those in there. Uh, everybody, thanks for such a wonderful year. Yes. With this podcast, our first year in the books. In the hopper. Yeah, in the books. And um, yeah, we really couldn't be happier where the podcast is and where it's heading. Guys. It's at the peak of where we thought it would be. Yeah. Like this was the peak of our like best ever kind of anticipation well, I of, kind of, of think it exceeded what our expectations oh, would be for our first year yeah oh definitely definitely so we're looking very Far forward yeah to, uh, to oh next year. man season so, two you guys so before we get into the next season which uh this is stuff i wanted to clarify i've got some I got some. Oh, are you going to do some uh, business? I just got some technical announcements to uh, put. Oh, so we're going to be talking about them in seasons, but I'm uh, I'm I'm 99 sure that I have it set up where it's just going to be serial episodes. So, for example, this is episode 54, is it? Four. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Four. Uh, so basically this is episode 54. The next one's going to be episode 55. And we're Not just going to keep going up to episode one. Unfortunately, I don't think it, I did it that way originally. And if I do it, it's going to screw everything, everything up. up. Like okay. everything's going to be unlistened for everybody. And I don't want to do that. No. So we're going to be talking about it as seasons for us. Cause it just helps us focus on the year better. Yeah. But the podcast is going to be serial moving up in okay. numbers. All right. Um, so next episode is going to be episode 55. Yes. The next thing I want to talk about is in the next couple of weeks, I will be putting an option on OhTheHorrorPodcast.com, our website, for a newsletter. And basically the point of that is, is social media is just getting more complicated in the result of, I mean, honestly, right, I'm leaving social media as a person. Yeah. I'm staying in social media for Oh The Horror. Right. And we'll have that resource on Facebook groups and Instagram 
But with Facebook talking about moving over to Meta and all this other type of stuff, I just we're not going to be virtual reality. We're not going to do any. No, no, and, no, no. And I just, uh, honestly, the group, it's fun. We love the part- participation with the group. We encourage yes. it. Yes. But there's a lot of stuff you're not seeing. Yeah. And what it is is people trying to self-promote themselves and all that stuff. That's stuff we filter out yes. of the group. And more and more with this update that Facebook did, it's become more and more of a problem. Yeah. And it's a lot of work on our end. Mm -hmm. And my perspective is, is I'd rather work on a newsletter that talks to you directly. Yeah. And I can filter out all of that crap of people trying to self-promote and all that. Yeah. So the newsletter is going to consist of these pieces. It's going to consist of what we're doing, Mm -hmm. just how the podcast is doing. Mm -hmm. It's going to consist of Additional information of our previous week, you know, our, our most current episode. Okay. So like, I'm looking to pump it out and I'm only going to do one a week. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, I'm still building this, so it's going to be in the next couple of weeks we'll launch. But for example, you'll receive, we drop episodes on a Monday. We'll drop the newsletter in your inbox on a Wednesday and like, for example, with freak shows, we'll have a list of things like these are side shows you could attend right. that are traveling, stuff like that. Give you more details. Yep. Yeah. And then we'll also do a rehash of uh, the episode coming up and we'll let you know what's coming up the right. next week. And then what we're going to do is also, as we promised, and this is the whole reason we want the newsletter, is to survey the listener base and have the listeners drive the content for the show. Yeah. And that's where we'll do a survey of these different topics, which of these topics you would like to do. Like we'll give you three choices and then we'll have a fourth, which is a write in. If you don't like the three choices Mm -hmm. that are there, write something in. Correct. It's going to be very basic. It's going to be literally like a one question survey. Yeah. With the fill in. Yeah. We want to make it as easy as possible for you. So we're building that up just to let you know that that's basically. I figure we'll start talking about it now and in a couple of weeks when it launches, you will have known after three, four episodes what to do and what to expect. So Correct. with that being said, what is next week's episode, the first week of our new season? New season. Season two, we start off with none other than Mr. Alistair Crowley. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, man. I don't think I've already started my research. And I mean, I knew there was a lot of information, but holy shit. I mean, we're only going to be able to do like the tip of the iceberg with Aleister Crowley. We're just going to scratch that their surface. But we felt it was kind of irresponsible for us to do a lot of these topics and not talk about Aleister Crowley. I mean, I know I referenced him once in uh, Witchcraft. He's been referenced a few times. Yeah. And then there's other times that he's just been in the research and we... We learned at that point that we got to do an episode, so we just didn't bring him up We're for like, certain dude, things. Dude, what didn't you yeah. stick no, your nose into? No, he's a powerhouse. <laughs> he's a powerhouse of the occult. He is. Uh, there's, there's a large following of people to this day that um, are just enamored by him. Uh, yes. Just completely enamored yes. by him. So, again, we thought it would be 100% disrespectful not to bring him up. Yes. And we thought not only give him the credit, but kick off the year and guys what a way to kick off the yeah, year we'll, we'll kick off the year with alistair crowley i mean he's got his own tarot card set you know, yeah yeah I mean, he does uh, and it's he had very like, followed he had his own um order of magicians yeah as yeah. well 
Yeah. yeah. No, it's a, a big presence. And it, like I said, it'd be a disservice for us to. What's funny is they associate him with black magic and he spoke out about black magic all the time. So it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. But then there's the rumor mill of Alistair oh, yeah. Crowley. And that's, I mean, in my opinion, I think that's the most interesting I mean, part. I mean, talk about juicy yeah. nuggets. So that's probably going to be like half the episode. It's the rumor <laughs> mill of Alistair Crowley. Did you know? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Here's a story. So, um, yeah, again, thank you so much. We hope you had a wonderful year. If you didn't, you got next year coming. You got a um, whole new year to give it another But even shot. if you're having a bad year, I hope we're just that small piece that can pick you up. And, hey, uh, so the Irish say what's, when you're switching from one year to the next, yeah. at least this is what it said on um, on the internet. So the it's interwebs. 100% it's, wrong. Oh, so this is true. Yeah. You open the doors. Mm-hmm. at the strike of the new year. So from like 12 o'clock to 1201, you yeah. open your doors and windows to let the old year out so that you can allow the new year to come in. I like it. I mean, it's not bad. Yeah. It's wicked cold for those of us here in the uh, <laughs> cold, cold white North. And so you do it quick. Do it in the well, car. Yeah, it's a minute. Do you it just in the car. Open it. Get out. Get out. Go on now. Yeah. Get. What I like to do. Because I get nerdy with change. Mm-hmm. I like to do in a year for me is I like to pick three things, generally four actually, four things that I've never done before. And you do them? Well, I want to try them. Mm-hmm. And out of those four things. Oh, wait, let me guess. So this year it's going to be cottage cheese, <laughs> grapefruit. I eat cottage cheese. No. Maple syrup. Grapefruit's the only one I won't eat. All right. Because I did maple syrup. So progress. Yeah. So what's what what do we so, got coming so they, up? No, so for last year is a good example. Uh-huh. Last year the four things that I wanted to do mm-hmm. was know more about the stock market and get into the stock market. Okay. Which I've done. Diggity. Two. Get better at the guitar. Giggity. I'll ask you, have I gotten better at guitar? <sighs> <laughs> Because I can't say that by myself. I You have. What's frustrating for me yeah. is you do bits and pieces. Yeah. So you have bits and pieces we'll have, of several songs, and I'll start to sing along, and then all of a sudden you're doing another song, see? and I'm like... <sighs> okay. So so hold that thought for a moment. Okay. Third was the podcast. Okay, we did that. Yeah. and And then fourth was basically for me to work on being more patient because mm-hmm. I do get in a rush and I do get quick with Impatient. things. Impatient. Kurt. Yeah, yeah. So for, so for me it was uh, patient, listening, uh-huh. and uh, it's more religious stuff, which I'll keep out of that. Yeah. So this year. Okay. This year, podcast, still on. Yep. want to do that well. Okay. Two guitar. Okay. My mission on guitar is, is to, to do a whole song. To learn full songs and build full sets. <sighs> so I'm out of the bits and pieces realm. It's so you. funny you brought that up. So so now I have literally it's it's a list of like ninety songs. And, oh guys, ninety I, whole songs. And I've and I've brought them I've I've divided them up into like quarters. Okay. And those are the songs that I'm going to look 
do be able to hopefully be able to do beginning to end okay. through there. So by the end of the year, I'll have base. I'm going for a hundred for the year. Ooh, that's kind of the the deal. It's a bold move, yeah. Cotton. Yep. Again, better on the stock market. Okay. And and progress on that. So that's three. What's yep. number four? Number four, the religious end. Okay. Again, and that's usually I just try to go for four like solid things. And if I like the four that I'm doing, I just stick to them and try to make them better. Yeah, I don't have I don't I don't yeah. have anything. I'm just gonna try and be. A nice but I think it helps person. for people if you just say, you know, because you got 365 days. You do. Just say, you know what? For these 365 days, the whole year, I'm just gonna try to do this one thing better. Yeah. You know, years ago, I it was just read more. Mm-hmm. Just just try to read more. Not have a certain amount or whatever. Just just read more. Um, or go outside for a walk every day. Mm-hmm. That was one. And then we got Dino and that kind of self-corrected itself. But, Done. But yeah, I mean, just surprise. You know, if you just go for a walk every day, it does amazing things for you. It does. It really it does. does. Last year, I started, um, <laughs> well, once we got COVID, I yeah. started with yoga. So I will be a full year into yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to get, I've got one side that I'm really good with my balance. And then I've got the other side that, that side's like, yeah. hey man, we don't. We don't, we don't do that. (laughs) So I would like that side to not be, we don't do that. So that, that could, that could be something Mm -hmm. I work toward. Yeah. And then I got you to poopies. What I'd like to do, and maybe this year I'll do it, is one year I want to dedicate to like one language. Because they got those apps like Babbel and stuff like that. Yep, yep, yep. And I was thinking like if I did one language a year. Hey, fun fact, in third grade. Yeah. I uh, picked up a book to learn German. Don't ask me why. Yeah, that worked and out good. And our librarian, here's the thing. I was pretty good. Yeah. Like, it, they gave you Deutsch, Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was pretty good. And our, um, she wasn't the librarian. She was the librarian assistant. And I, I don't remember her name, but I know her last name started with an O and she was great because she was of German descent Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she was like, you keep taking out this book. What's like, what's the deal? And I was like, I don't know. I just, I find it very interesting and it's pretty cool. It's like you keep taking this book, but that's all you know is Sprechen Sie Deutsch. (laughs) What are you doing with it? I don't think you're, you're using this book effectively. Are you even even reading it? Do you even open it up? Oh, yeah, so like for a whole year, I think you could get out like three library books, and I always took out that German language that book. German language book. Yep. Well, you know, maybe. I mean, maybe I should give it another shot. Yeah, because I was thinking of trying the cello this year, but I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to learn whole songs on the guitar. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. And that wasn't even because of you. That's just because of me, because it drives me nuts, too. Okay. Because I tell people, I'm like, yeah, I've been getting into the car- guitar. They're like, what do you play? I'm like, well, I play a little bit of this song. Yeah. I play a he little bit of that He plays a little bit song. of like 90 of them. A little and bit it's of like, this. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to expand it it's out. It's like talking to my mother where you just switch from topic to topic to topic. And yeah, it's like, you can really... you just stay on topic, please? And thank you. <laughs> That's your whole family. 
kind of is. Your whole family is a fragment of stories. Yeah, but I mean, they are good stories. Oh, they're good stories. Your family's got the biggest heart in the world. That's uh, <laughs> So and some of the best. Stories. So with that being said, again, thank you so much, and we'll keep you on the loop on all these things changing up. Yes. Alistair Crowley next week. I know. And I know. Uh, I'll definitely because this is a, a a fun fun topic for me with this week. I'll post some items during the week on the Facebook group. If yeah, you're well, in um, there. I'll post my sources. Yeah. And as um, far as traveling sideshows, what we could do is start next episode with an addendum on yeah. that and we could just if there's a few that are kicking around maybe can... all right for season two at the beginning of every episode we'll be like have you checked out this traveling sideshow like every week every week yeah and guys we have for our season two we've decided we're going to do a cult a month yes so if there's a specific cult that yep. you are really jazzed about you know what we should do what we should have a cult of the month calendar i know i was gonna cult. <laughs> yes and have like their picture and then we could have like their picture or you know because everybody wants like the creepy leader of the cult's picture yeah that would be great oh my god ah! we should do that and we that'll get... be our first piece of merch oh god and i know one the group, cult calendar i know one group that'll sue the fucking shit out they of sure us, so. will yeah you all know who that is and we're gonna do them later we're gonna get some other ones out of the way but yeah no yeah. we are gonna do a, a cult uh a cult of the month i like it yeah so, with that being said, rule number one. No Ouija boards. Two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Five. No cults. <laughs> Except once a month. Satanic or otherwise. Yeah, yeah. just one, one, one episode a month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, what are we, six? No apathy. Yeah. You need to help enact a positive change in the world. Small steps go a long way. Yeah. You know, Buy a cup of coffee for the car behind you and yeah. the drive through. You know, if you can afford, donate to a food bank. If or, you can afford to, and there's that person behind you that looks like they're struggling, pay for their groceries. You know, if you could pay that, for the groceries of the elderly, uh, the elderly or a veteran. A veteran. And yeah. the veterans are really pretty good about letting you know they're a veteran. They either have they a, hat a hat on, on or a coat yeah. or both. Yeah. So, you so know, if you look small back, steps. If you look back and they only got like five five bucks worth of items or something like that, mm -hmm. go for it. Yeah. And I know there are other um, charities, like there are, uh, yeah. there are school teachers where they just have, hey, we need this for our yep. class. So S School teachers you know, that choose. can use money. There's, uh, if you're religious, there's any kind of charity through your church. Yep. Food If banks. you're into animals, go to your humane society. Yes. And I'll tell you right now, we've said this before, yes. bleach, dish, uh, dish detergent. And paper towels. And paper towels. Those they are three things. They always need those. Those are three things you could walk through the door at any humane society, and they will love you for life. Mm -hmm. So have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week. And please, for the love of God, make good choices. Take care. <laughs>